Hello, good morning to the Saints of Boulevard Gospel Chapel. And I am John Fraser, and I'm privileged to be sharing the Word of God with you this morning and uh, crave your prayers as we are gathered together in the name of the Lord by the electronic media in the air. And one day we'll all meet in the air at the time of the rapture, but this time we are testing now that, that, that facility and that will become reality one day. It's a joy to be with you and um looking forward to sharing the word with you on the total consecration of the total man. I would like to recognize, I hope, on, uh, on line with us, uh, some of the saints from the Hollywood Bible Chapel there. And uh, it's a great uh, pr- privilege to be able to join with you guys again. So we're going to go right ahead and, and begin our presentation, looking at the total consecration of the total being. And uh, we are going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, well-known verse. Uh, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word, um, to be found blameless, brings us to the priestly preparation in the Old Testament where the priests, including the high priests, uh, were commanded to uh, consecrate themselves, to wash and prepare themselves before they enter into the uh, service of the Lord or approach God's con- concentrated presence as he had outlined for them in the, in the tabernacle. Tabernacle was a mobile um, temple or place of worship before the tabernacle, the temple was designed. And we have some important things on the screen there, different aspect of it. I'd just like to call attention to the bronze lever. The bronze lever was an important um, instrument in the priest preparation for, for engage in worship. And it was made of brass or bronze, and that was a polished type of metal uh, that also gives a reflection of those objects around them. In our case, the person who is washing hands and preparing um, himself for engagement in, in worship. It also had water in it, and the water was used to wash their hands and also to provide a type of reflection of the person who was washing their their hands. The interesting thing about this whole process and remind us that as the priests stood around to, to wash their hands uh, at the bronze laver, they realized that the Lord had warned them that they have to wash themselves because if they didn't do that, they were on the risk of being, being killed. And uh, that is not by the sword, but because of God's holy presence, he had um, warned them and instructed them the importance of priestly preparation for worship. We have that in the book of Leviticus, and that is so important for us to remember that the, the book of Leviticus was written with one objective in mind, God instructing his people how to approach him. It was not a place where you would demonstrate a whole lot of creativity and innovation in how we decide to approach God. We must approach a holy God on the terms of reference that he has established, not on our brilliant ideas and creativity. 
And also the lever was uh, made from brass, like I said earlier on. And the idea is to provide a reflection. In other words, as the priests prepare themselves, washing their hands, uh, they would see a reflection of their images in the water or in the container. And that is like the washing of the water, the mirror of the word of God as we prepare ourselves for, for worship. And this again was also a time for the priest in preparing himself for worship to go beyond the washing of hands. It starts there, but as he sees a reflection of himself, he is reminded of the fact that his internal aspect of his being, heart and mind, soul, are also necessary to be consecrated before God. And so there was a, a, a time of reflection and thought processing going on. It's one thing to have clean hands while other part of our being may very well not be in a consecrated condition as we approach God. And that's one of the reasons why we want to have this discussion here today. And so Paul, here Paul says to the Thessalonians, May the God of peace himself sanctify, to, to consecrate, to, to lay aside, to make for the exclusive use of, is the idea of sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Reading this verse, you get the idea that Paul wasn't just concerned about the washing of hands or feet for that matter, but other aspects of the human being. And if we, if we need to see that our whole man, whole being, total being is consecrated, then we need to be familiar with the different facets or components of the human person. And Paul says spirit, soul, and body. And I want us to just to look up close and personal as at each different facet or component of the human existence. Uh, Paul did mention uh, three aspects, and sometimes I might say parts, but pardon me, because we, we don't want to fragment the human person, uh, but we use the word facets or aspects of the human person. Spirit, soul, and body. The question is, what is spirit, soul, and body? Let us look at them as he mentioned them. First of all, the word for spirit is the Greek word pneuma, and it has the idea of wind or breath, and it is the word that is used for all spirits, all different types of spirits, including the Holy Spirit and in the, in the New Testament. And the idea there is from which we get our word pneumonia, pneumatic drill, and anything that has to do with the breathing or respiratory aspect of the human existence. Well, in the spiritual world, uh, that is a part of spiritual being and facet of spiritual being that is minus the visible aspect of. We're going to see some more about that in a minute. But no, before we go back, let's go back. Spirit, soul, is the Greek word suke, from which we get a word psychology, psychotic, psychosis. All those words with those prefixes are related to the word soul. And that's a part of the invisible components of the man's existence. And the part for body, the Greek word is soma, from which you get somatic, 
And it is quite different from the word, another word for body or flesh, which is socks, and it is totally different. So the human body is referred to in this soma. So Paul prayed that your, your spirit, your soul, and your body would be found blameless. And the need to recognize uh, the need for uh, consecration. We're going to look at the different facets and our aspect of it. Let's begin with the how God made man. Because God started first by making the body. If you remember from Genesis, the story of the creation of the humankind, God made the human body first from, from dust. And after he had made the male body, then he selected a, a rib from the male, and he made the female. And we, we learned some things from those two things. Both bodies, female and the male bodies, are made from pre-existing material. The male body is made from dust, rough, rugged, and you know the rest. The female is made from refined material, a rib already made, manufactured, processed material, delicate, nice to be near, huggable, lovable, embraceable. That's how God designed the female. And so we have both of them, male body made from the dust, female body made from the rib. Now notice that both bodies are visible objects. Both of them are visible. We can see them with the naked eye. So we also learn this, that after God was finished making Adam's body, he breathed into him the breath of life, and Adam became a living being. Now this is, I want you to remember this. First, he fashioned the body from the dust of the earth. Then, having formed Adam's body, he put, God put his mouth to the nostril of Adam and breathed into him another facet of his existence. In other words, God took him to a different level, if you want to use that phrase. We're going to talk some more about what God breathed into Adam's body, okay? And from that now, we have the total being, the spirit, soul, and body, the whole person. All right. Now we have another description for these two major facets of man's existence. The material, the, the, the immaterial part, notice the, and the invisible um, facets of our being. First of all, spirit and soul constitute, and we're going to discuss that in a moment. Some people consider them to be synonyms. Others think otherwise. The body is made from material, and so it's a material and it's a visible facet of our being. So we learn these two things then from this window, that there's a part, an aspect of man's existence that is immaterial and invisible. Those two things came from the mouth of God, the breath of God. Immaterial, invisible. We can't see those facets of our being, but they're real. And also the material and visible facet of our being, which happened to be the body. So let me, let me jump ahead of myself and show you why we are discussing this. We have to be careful that we don't spend all of our time only watch, washing the material and visible facet of our being. We should remember that we need to pay attention to the immaterial and the invisible facets of our being because that is important. Something happened after Adam disobeyed God and death became a reality. By virtue of that, then, we learn some things about the facets of man's being, the components. 
Death means separation, which came into the world because of sin, Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. That's, that's why we die, because, because of sin. Death means separation. Let me introduce you quickly to three types of death. This will help us to understand thing, things in the scripture regarding this, this agent and this state of man's being. Spiritual death. Spiritual death means when a person is separated from God in time. It's important. Every word in that definition is important. It's a separation of the person from God in time. That's spiritual death. Physical death is a separation of the facets of a person's total being. We're going to illustrate that again. When a person dies, we are told over in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 7, when a man dies, when a person dies, the body goes back from the earth to the dust from whence it came, and the spirit goes back to God. All right? We'll see what that to God means. Then finally, there's a third type of death. And that is called everlasting death. Now, the difference between spiritual death and everlasting death is this. The everlasting separation from a person from the life of God. In other words, we are born spiritually dead, separated from God in time. But if before you die, you hear the gospel and you trusted Christ as your Savior, you're given eternal life. But if you reject eternal life, then you enter into a state of everlasting death. You'll spend eternity being separated from the life of God. So if you keep that simple idea that death means separation, then it will help you in dealing with the three types of death. Spiritual death, separation of a person from God in time. Physical death, separation of the facets of a person's total being. And the everlasting death is the everlasting separation of a person from the very life of God. So we can go back then and just remember what we say. The spirit goes back to God. All right? That does not mean universalism. As some people embrace the idea that we're all going to be saved at the end of time. That's not true. The idea that the spirit goes back to God simply means that God is the judge who will assign the eternal destiny of each person's spirit. But that assignment as to where that person will go would have already been determined by the person. Accepting Jesus Christ, you know that your reservation is sure and certain to be with the Lord in a place called heaven. Rejecting Jesus Christ, it means that you have rejected the offer, offer to make a reservation to be with the Lord in heaven, and the place is called hell. Those are the two places of departed spirit after time, body, and all that is gone. You're going to be either in heaven or in hell. And it's very important that we understand that. Now, when a person dies, not only that the spirit goes back to God, but the writer said that the, the, there's a separation of the body from the soul and the spirit. He already explained to us that the, the body goes back to the earth from whence it came. I call that the recycled bin. So we're heading back to where we, we, we came in terms of the body. And we have to be careful then that we don't spend all our resources in time on the body because we're going to lose that. It doesn't matter if you look good 
feel good and even smell good. The fact is that we are going to die. We're going to be a, there's going to be a separation of the visible components of our being from the invisible facets of our being. And that's going to happen to everybody. For it's appointed on a man once to die. Nobody will be excluded from that, generally speaking. Now, we have a good um, passage over in Luke 16 that illustrates this beautifully, the importance of making preparation. We have two men who lived on earth. We have Lazarus, who was poor and who seemed to be suffering from an advanced state of diabetes. He had sores that could not be healed. And the only friends he had were the dogs, who would come daily just to lick his sores. And, of course, there was the rich man, known as Dives, because that's a Latin name for rich, and, and so we sometimes refer to him as, as Dives. The Bible didn't call him Dives, but we know who we're talking about. He's a rich man. Notice his body was well taken care of. He had no sores. He dressed in fine linen and purple garments. And, and so he's the type of guy when he comes out, you want to, he commands attention. He looks very good. He smelled good. Opposite of Lazarus. And the Bible said something interesting about these two men. The Bible said that there came a time when Lazarus died. And he was carried. And then the rich man died. And he was buried. Those two verbs are very indicative. One was carried, Lazarus. Why? He made a reservation for valley parking. And the angels came to get him. The rich man, nah, he didn't need that. He was driving his Benz, Mercy, and of course his BMW and all those expensive means of transportation. He didn't see the need for any valley parking. He made no reservation. And so he was buried. What a difference. And if you read the rest of Luke 16, you see what happened after they both departed their bodies, whether good or bad. But that entered us into a different state of existence. Now we're going to look at the function and facets of the, of the human person, spirit, soul, and body. Still working with 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now the spirit represents how we communicate. Through our spirit, we are able to fellowship and commune with God and other spiritual beings. Now, some people limit the communication to say we communicate with God. But man's ability to communicate with spiritual being is not confined or restricted to God himself. Man is involved in communication and activities with evil spirits. And that's how you have the things like Obia, and you, you have Voodoo. And in the Old Testament, you were told that God sent Aaron and Moses down to Egypt, if you remember, to Pharaoh. And the, the, the Bible said that the Egyptian magician, they, they did their thing. They cast on their rods and they became serpent. Something I believe that believers tend to forget, that the, the enemies has power. God has given Satan a certain amount of power. Yes, the Egyptian magicians, their rods turn into snake as well. In fact, that happened first. And then, what makes it even more interesting is God's servant cast down their rods. And their rod, and the rod became, basically was turned into a snake that consumed the others. So you see the victory and the sovereignty of God's people and God's, God's power. But do not underestimate evil spirits, the evil world, and so forth. We also remember when Samuel died, and, and of course... Uh, 
Saul became very disturbed, having no way of um, contacting God anymore. And so we went to the witch of Windsor, and we know the story there. So yes, human beings can communicate with the spiritual world by spiritual, by, by righteous means or unrighteous means. All right. Now we come to the spirit soul. We are told over in Hebrews 4:12, for the word of God is living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to, notice this, division of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. Notice that, the division of soul and spirit. So I think there is room to believe that they are not synonymous, that they are, they are different, okay? Now the soul is the internal facet of the human person. That is the invisible aspect of your being. The soul is that invisible facet which includes mind, will, emotion, self-consciousness. These make a person unique in the very core of their being. And this is the real you. This is the facet of your being that allows you to allows you to be different from everybody else. With, with your soul, we are dealing with these faculties, mind or intellect. It is with that you do your thinking, you do your reasoning, your rationalizing, you are a, you're an, an intelligent being. These are reflections and part of the aspect of God's image in us. God's image and likeness in the human person Image and likeness do not reside in the body. That much we do know. God is a spiritual being. He doesn't have a body. He made us in his likeness. The likeness is not in his body. If that were true, when a person dies, then that would be the end of the person because that would be the end of the image. It's in the body. It's not in the body. It's in what God breathed into Adam's nostril. Okay, so you see this coming back to us now. He breathed into Adam's nostril, the soul spirit. In there we have the mind with which we, we think, with, with which we have memory, and we have conscience and some of those facets of the human person. Then we have the will of volition. It is this function of the soul with which we exercise uh, choice. We make choices, we refuse, we reject, we consider, and then we make, make decisions are made. Then we have the emotions, our sensibility. God made us with sensibility, with, with emotions. Emotions are real. They are a vital, genuine part of who we are, in spite of how we behave rather stoic as brethren. Yes, emotions are real. And God made us with the function of that, or sometimes called sensibility. Then there is self-consciousness. You are aware right now that you're meeting with the saints, of the Boulevard Bible Chapel, but we are not meeting together at that location. I'm pretty sure you're aware of that. Um, and that's why some of you are not dressed as you will normally dress, but that's another subject another, another time. But you're, you're aware that you're not there. So while we are here, and we are in this service, and you're listening to me, I don't want you to leave and go use, try to use the restroom at Boulevard because it's, it's this, we, we are not there. You're consciously aware of that. So you, you're with me on that one, okay? And then there's conscience. Conscience is like a device in your car 
when a red light comes on to tell you something is either gone wrong or something is going wrong. It's like an umpire who calls a genuine play or a foul play that is contrary to the rules. That's conscience. And everybody's conscience is different. Some consciences are seared. Some are ill-informed, misinformed. And some are hypersensitive. So we should endeavor through the Word of God to repair and to restore our conscience so that it reflect the teachings of Scripture. So we come now to the third aspect of man's existence, the part that we know so much of, that we spend so much time on. It is the part to which you applied your Mary, Kay, Isla Foley, and all these things to look younger. Oh, yes. But I want you to know, in spite of all that, mm-hmm, you can't hold back the reality that we are going downhill. The physical body allows us to relate to the physical world around us. Things which are visible, tangible, and sheer time, space, and matter. That's, that's our body. And uh, all of us have these different facets as we know them from way back in uh, biology class. The circulatory system, digestive system, endocrine system, immune system, mu muscular system, nervous system reproductive system and there are other systems these are one of the reasons why we are told by the health authorities to wash our hands to cope and to deal with the spread of the, the the coronavirus the washing of our hands we have heard a lot about that and wash our faces and all these things but you see we are spiritual being as well the government the authorities your doctors are not going to tell you about the importance of consecrating the inside they are not aware of the existence of the other parts of your being that's why paul could say may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ yes we need to wash our hands. We have been singing that for years. No, something different. Well, we could bring update a little bit. Wash your hands, wash your hands, then you eat. Okay, but that's not what we used to sing. So it's watch and be careful. We are paying attention to other part of our existence apart from the body. We need to be reminded about that, that we are not just body. While the government and the health authorities warn us about the washing of hands, we as preachers, pastors, and ministers to God's people need to remind the saints of God. Likewise, when you wash your hands, you've got to watch and wash your thoughts, your soul. Look at the things, the seven things God hates. Remember that. God hates a proud look going to be difficult to see that he, he hate unwashed hands but we need to do that still god hates a lying tongue that is far more dangerous than the coronavirus a lying tongue god hates hands that shed innocent blood see that's the thing that Pilate was trying to do you realize that you shed innocent blood and water can't wash away that guilt it may wash away the coronavirus but it can't wash away so you're dealing with the internal part of our being. People who harbor thoughts of hurting one another. We've got to watch that. Because we've got to consecrate the whole person. God hates heart that devise wicked plans. Oh yes. 
injustice in the mind, in the heart. There are more murderers outside of the jail than those who are inside. Because there are always those who never got the chance to execute what they have thought in their heart. But God knows. And that is why we got to watch our thoughts. God hate the feet that are swift in running into mischief, are so miscarred among brethren. And God hates false witnesses that speak lies. Yes, we learned that from over in Proverbs 6. Of all the chapters in the Bible, you all know 6 is a number for man. Well, somewhere this warning has to do with men in the 6th chapter of the book of Proverbs. And God hate those who so discard among brethren. we got to watch these things. They are not visible on the visible component of our existence. We can't use that to detect things going on the inside. And so that's why we have to consecrate our total being. We've got to watch our lips and those who give in witnesses our false testimony. It is a grievous thing, not only unjust and a demonstration of injustice, but it's unfair. And the Bible said we corrupt our inside when we bear false witnesses. So here we go now. The total person, body, or let me put it in the way Paul puts it, spirit, soul, and body. I remember reading Psalm 51 from the message by Eugene Peterson. It's one of my favorite passages from him. Here, here we go. Generous in love, God give grace. Huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record. Scrub away my guilt and soak out my sins in your laundry. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. You are the one I've violated, and you have seen it all, seen the full extent of my evil. You have all the facts before you, and whatever you decide about me is fair. I've been out of step with you for a long time, in the wrong, before I was born. What you're after is truth from the inside out. Enter me then, conceive a new, true life. Soak me in your laundry, and I'll come out clean. Scrub me, and I'll have a snow-white life. Turn me... Tune me into foot-tapping songs and set these one's broken bones to dancing. Don't look too close for blemishes. Give me a clean bill of health. God, make a fresh start in me. I like this. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sail. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways so the lost can be, the lost can find their way home. Commute my death sentence. God, my salvation, God. And I will sing anthems to you, to your life giving ways. Unbutton my lips, dear God, and I let loose with your praise. And that, of course, take us into the hymn we know quite well. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days and let them flow in endless praise. Take my hands, yes, and let them move at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for Thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. 
Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my will, my will, and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. Up thy feet is treasured store. Take myself, and I will be ever only all for thee. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your amazing goodness to us. And we thank you for the fact that we we bear your image and likeness. Yes, it has been dented, damaged, and it has been ruined, but not removed. And that's why you sent your Son from heaven to rescue us, your damaged image bearers. And so we thank you for that aspect of you that is still in us. It is our prayer that your grace will bring about restoration as we usually sing. Cards that were broken can, be, can revibrate once more. And so we pray that that will be a reality. We ask for your blessing now with your people and that you will always be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.